The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world hosting a Yankees Guardians ALDS watch party with a Rolls Chapman in Miami. All the infected tattoo chat you could ever dream of. I'm Jake Mintz, and that is Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, how what? is your veritable mode of pus this morning? What a what a niche um, party and joke and everything. But yes, if you read our good friend Lizzie Adler's story, Araldis, A. Waldis Chapman is Jay Chillin in Miami and will not be a member of the Yankees postseason roster. But you know who Maybe will be a member? Yeah. Maybe he's on the Marlins postseason roster. Oh, oh, that's great. They could they could use the bullpen help. Uh, Jake, it is it is a pleasure to join you. Uh, of course, as always, we are very excited for uh, the next round of the postseason. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Wow, why aren't they talking about uh, everything that happened in the wild card uh, round?" Oh, oh, we already did that. There's a podcast on this same feed that you can listen to with all of the reviewing you could ever hope for of our four wild card series. In this episode, we are going to look ahead to the divisional round and focus on what will happen and not what has happened. So we have four very exciting matchups uh, to get to. The way we're going to do this is we are once like, like we did for our, our wild card series preview. We're going to tell you who's on these teams. That's important, right? That'd be a good thing to, to, to know before you turn on the television. And then since these matchups do kind of give a, a real, real underdog David versus Goliath energy in a lot of senses, we're going to tell you how, how, how does this upset happen? How could we possibly imagine these upsets taking place? And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. So anything else before we, we dive into our first, our first matchup, sir? Yeah. I'm just like thinking about Goliath this morning. Mm-hmm. Is there like a Goliath redemption story? Like was Goliath, how bad was Goliath? Like, was he just a tall guy? At right, right. It was really, it really was a size thing, right? It was a size issue. This was not, I don't think it was like a payroll. I don't think Goliath, was spent, you know, we're going to talk about the Yankees and the Guardians. I don't think it was a payroll situation, right? I think it was pure size and strength. But tell me more. So, yeah, I got my Wikipedia page up. According to the Dead Sea Scrolls, he's listed as four cubits and a span, which uh, is neither <laughs> metric nor... Is that taller than than Victor Wembanyama? Uh, that's, that that's, that's how I measure all of my great uh, athletes now. Goliath was four cubits and a span, which translates to six nine. But another text has him listed at six cubits and a span. Six and a span—that's nine nine. Oh, so okay. either way, that's more. That sounds like if we're gonna if we're gonna have this be the story, he better be at least nine feet tall. No, because if you were six nine and like you know one ce, mm. I mean you were the tallest person anybody would ever see, right? And a problem in the paint. And, and David was probably like two feet tall. <laughs> David was Three a little, or four he was a boy. Tall. Remember, David was a little, David boy, a little was, boy. He was just a lad, just a lad. Anyway, David, uh, that, that's that our David and, David and Goliath update. And that is important as we hop into these matchups because 
they're all underdog situations. And maybe it's this particular batch of teams and the matchups that we have. Maybe it's the new format with the buys that kind of accentuates this energy. But it really does feel like we have four Davids and four Goliaths. And to me, I'm, I'm not. If we if we just go pure talent, I'm not even sure it's as much that. And obviously, some of the matchups fit this description more. But I do think that that narrative wise, there is a very clear at the very at the very least, you know, big brother, little brother energy, right? When we talk about you know, in some ways, Astros, Mariners for sure, obviously, uh, Brave, and of course, we have, we have three we have three division mat literal division matchups, right? Which is which is very exciting. All right. Enough preamble, Jake. Let's get to the baseball, and we let's will go. Amble. We will <laughs> so let's get into the amble, and let's get let's begin. We're going to go in order of the matchups, and I believe the first game on uh, four game Tuesday uh, tomorrow on October 11th will be the Philadelphia Phillies down in the ATL at Truist Park. Jake, we've already obviously talked a good bit about the Phillies, but let's let's reintroduce uh, the Phillies, how they got here, and who is on their team. Uh, they have JT Real Muto behind the dish. First base is Reese Hoskins. Second base is Gene Segura. Shortstop is Bryson Stott. The rookie third base is the tall, wavy-haired lad himself. Chris Bryant reincarnate, but with less power. Uh, Alec Bohm, and then the outfield is Castellanos and Schwarber in the corners. Either Jesus Cristo, Brandon Marsh in center, or Matt Vierling, and then DHing is Bryce Harper. This team went into St. Louis and said, fuck your arch, and took the first two games, <laughs> easy peasy, lemon squeezy, maybe not that easy, over the Cardinals to stomp in to the next round. Now, the none of these pitching matchups are official as of right now. Very likely that game one will be Max Freed against Ranger Suarez, the Braves number one against the Phillies number three. A rematch, I believe, of a game that was played two weeks ago when the Braves came to Philly. These two matched up, and Suarez outdueled Freed in a 1-0 Phillies win. Game two, likely to be, I think, Kyle Wright against Zach Wheeler. Wheeler, who was phenomenal in game one for Philadelphia. That means game three is honestly the best of these matchups, which is a recovering Spencer Strider, who's been out for a couple of weeks, against Aaron Nola, who is absolutely dynamite in the clincher for Philly. Yes, and let's let's talk uh, just Phillies in general, right? So as you said, they just they just beat the beat the Cardinals uh, in fairly impressive fashion. Of course, it took something of a collapse in, in Game One from St. Louis, but with Wheeler and Nola, they will have a chance against anybody. And again, when we talk about this theme of, of the underdog, the underdog status here is that the Phillies, of course, were the second longest postseason drought in baseball, going up against the Braves, who, as much as any team over the last three five years, as they've come out of their rebuild are like, they know what they're doing, right? They are set up for long-term success. They know how to win. They are going to be good for a very long time as evidenced by once again, another extension. I think you saw this Spencer Strider uh, got an extension this morning. So, uh, Oh, I don't know if you saw that, but yes, I did not so, see that. There you go. So they extended Spencer Strider this morning. Once again, of course, at Braves breaking the news because no one else can manage to scoop the Braves on their own uh, transactions and extensions. So Strider, uh, it seems I don't know if they bought any free agent years, but they, you know, they bought out all the RV years and all that stuff. So, meanwhile, the Phillies, not that they haven't spent money, right? But they've been floundering around and just finding ways to not make the postseason <laughs> since Bryce Harper arrived. Now they're finally here, and as much as you know, people you know, we spent all year talking about the comparing the Mets and the Braves. This is going to be very fun to see the Phillies 
in the mix here and try to pull off the NL East upset. So let's talk about the the Bravos, right? Yeah. Just one quick thing comparing these teams. The Braves never look flimsy. And the Phillies, even when they win, do. (laughs) And to me, that's the contrast. The Phillies never have a plan. They're writing their essay the night before it's due. And the Braves have been doing like an hour of work on the class project every day for a month, right? There is a master plan. They're way, they're way ahead. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, you want to come work on this, uh, this, this sheet for Thursday here? It's like, no, I I did it over the weekend. Oh, all right. Thanks, but no, that's Um, really sick. That's awesome, dude. Oh, you extended all your young players already? Oh, that's, that's really awesome. I mean, wow, what an overachiever you, you Braves are. So so who's on this team? We know a lot of these guys are going to be around for a long time. Uh, tell me about the, the, the Bravos. Behind the dish, you have Travis Darnot, who sneaky underrated. Like, this dude's very good. First base, Matt Olson, the trade and extension guy from over the offseason from Oakland. Second base, Ozzy Albies has been hurt. It's been a combo of Vaughn Grisham, but he struggled a little bit down the stretch, and so they went to Orlando Arcia at second base, which is kind of hilarious to think about. Shortstop Dansby Swanson, who will be a free agent at the end of the year. Third base, Austin Riley, who they extended, had another phenomenal season. He was a little meh in September, but you know I think he finished the year with over 30 home runs. Right field, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know the deal. Center field, Michael Harris, probable rookie of the year, also extended. Left field, Eddie Rosario, and then sometimes Robbie Grossman as well. They'll platoon them a little bit. You know, I was going to correct you and say, oh, it's not going to be Michael Harris, because sometimes when you say probable X award winner and then fans of the other team get mad, but good lucky for the Braves. If it's not going to be Harris, it's going to be Strider. So, and then <laughs> I, I forgot, be so I, mad. I forgot Marcelo Zuna, who is somehow inexplicably still on the team and still playing despite a rash of crimes he is DHing and hitting seventh and was like bad all year. So that's a weird one. Yeah. And you know, they, they, they traded for Robbie Grossman. He's, he's on the bench and they've got, I mean, their bench is, is weird right now because Guillermo Heredia can't hit uh, at all. So he's really never going to start. And they're, they're a little, a little thin in that sense. And obviously William Contreras, who is a worthy starting DH, you know, is, is if you're only going to have two catchers, that's obviously a risky move to be starting him at DH. Now we should also mention, of course, you mentioned uh, Arcia and Von Gr- Well, Ozzy Albies is out, right? And that that is that is the one biggest. I mean, besides the new guys, the the absence of Ozzy Albies is 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 look is, is that what could sink the Braves? I, I don't think so, but it is certainly an important missing piece uh, for them that is worth mentioning. Now, the Braves. Uh, let's 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 talk, let's sit on Michael Harris for a little bit here, okay? Let's let's talk about Michael Harris because his season has been truly insane to watch he is having a very similar season to julio rodriguez although because he is not single-handedly carrying the squad in a lot of senses and changing the culture he has just kind of been just kind of easily flowed into it and joined it it's just been like oh yeah of course michael harris on the braves he's from atlanta he's really good okay we're just adding him to the pile of great braves players let's not lose sight of how amazing he is the fact that he is 21 he's even younger than julio he's younger than wander franco he's young he is an incredible talent and is does he go up there with every intention to swing the bat no matter what pitch is thrown at him yes that both makes him very entertaining and even more impressive in terms of the numbers he's put up because he does not walk at all and he's just going up there he made a swing change once he got to the big leagues that unlocked his power he's one of the most exciting players in the whole postseason and i just want to make sure people understand how amazing he is before we start the postseason Adam Duvall was this team center fielder to start the year. 
he, I think, messed up his wrist and was out for the year at some point in June or July. And there were people being like, oh, no, like, what are the Braves going to do? Like, they don't have a center fielder. I guess they're going to have to call up that unproven youngster from AAA. And then he was a four and a half one player. It's <laughs> I don't absurd. even think he wasn't he in double A. I mean, he's he's barely played in the minors. Um, he was let's see. Yeah, no, he was in double A. He is he is yet to make his triple A debut. Whoa. <laughs> so so sorry to to the good people of Gwinnett who did not get to experience the Michael Harris experience. But man, yeah, I mean, you know, 19 homers, uh, he almost went 2020. It's 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 an it's a ridiculous season. 515 slug with essentially no walks is really, really impressive. This team is both incredibly similar to last year's world championship squad and in some ways very different. Obviously, Freddie Freeman is gone, replaced with Matt Olson. Uh, go compare the, their numbers. And Freddie Freeman was way better. I thought Olsen would fill that void in year one. He certainly did not after struggling down the stretch. Didn't matter. They won 102 games anyway. Besides Olsen, the only other new face, besides Olsen and Harris, the only other new face is really Spencer Strider, who is the other candidate for rookie of the year. Rookie pitcher, just outlandishly good fastball, mustache, tight pants. You've probably seen it on the internet. He did miss some time down the stretch. He should be ready to go for game three. He would have missed a wild card round had the Braves been in it. He's the only new other face to know. Now, yeah? I was going to say, there's one other big new face to know, uh, and it may be a good transition into our how do the Phillies make the subset, and that's Kenley Jansen. Let's talk about Kenley Jansen, who is now on the Braves. And the Braves bullpen, of course, last year in their postseason run, known as, known as the night shift, but who were we talking about? We were talking about A.J. Minter. We were talking about Will Smith. We were talking about Tyler Matzik, right? Those were really the guys we were talking about. Matzik has worked his way back into the mix somewhat, but he certainly doesn't seem to be the same guy. Minter is the one who has, has been every bit as good, if not better, than last season, and Will Smith is on the Astros. The guy we have to point out here is how unbelievable Rysel Iglesias has been since they acquired him from the Angels. I did not realize how good his numbers had been since he'd been with the Braves, but a .34 ERA, he's allowed one earned run in 28 appearances uh, with 30 strikeouts and just five walks. So if Jansen falters, like Jansen's the de facto closer, Braves are old school, of course Jansen's going to get the nine, right? <laughs> like that's just how this is going to work unless it totally goes AWOL. But they do have some other guys. They do have some other guys that they can get out. So I guess my question for this as, as sort of an X factor, can, can the Phillies pull this upset? Is this Braves bullpen better or worse than it was last year? What do you think? I think it's better, but I'm not sure they can pitch better than they did last October. <laughs> right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> they pitched um, so far out of their skis that doing that again, you know, Kenley's probably due for a stinker at some point in the postseason. That usually does happen how do the Phillies pull the upset for me though Jordan they take game two in Atlanta you have to take game two I like Ranger Suarez I don't think you're touching Max Freed at home in that first game the Phillies have really struggled against him all year I don't like their chances in that one game two though Wheeler against Wright that's the one that you got to try and steal you take game three with Nola and then you just Hope and cross your fingers that you just sneak <laughs> you one just, of the other two you out. Figure it out. You figure it out from there. Look, it's just a five-game series. You only have to win three, not not four. <laughs> but, but this is the problem, right? Is like I don't think they could bring Wheeler back for game five, especially because he has coming back from an no. injury. No. So, like, this is the thing about the first round series, wildcard series, right? The Braves will get to use Freed 
probably twice if it goes five. If they need to. Mm-hmm. If they need to. Whereas the Phillies can only use Wheeler and Nola each once. And that's huge, right? That's a big, big deal. Not to throw dirt on Ranger Suarez's name, but that is a significant part of the story. Jordan, player, we're each watching. Who's a guy in the series you are excited to tune in for? Uh, not a hot take, but it's Acuna. Because this is the guy that we did not get to watch from this Braves team last year. And it's taken him a while. He did not have a great middle of the season. Now, the numbers were always fine because he's one of the most, you know, probably five talented players in the, in the world. Uh, but we started to have some Ronald moments in September. And while he is not necessarily the, the explosive guy that he once was, uh, maybe he'll get back to that someday. I still think at the plate offensively, he's capable of taking over. And I, we just didn't have it last year. We just had to watch him cheering on the bench, which is also very entertaining, but I'm super excited to, to watch him in full form. Cause you can only imagine how much he's been looking forward to, to, to being a part of this team in October. You know, my affinity for Alec Bohm, Jordan, number three, overall pick by the Phillies, tall third baseman. And he was kind of, screwed around with by Joe Girardi before Girardi got the heave-ho. And Bohm was good during the regular season. Not great. He struggles sometimes at third base. But those two games in St. Louis, he looked like he was having so much fun. Like the dude was enjoying his baseball. He was making great plays at third, putting bat on ball. And when he – I just think he has another level that he could ascend to offensively if he taps into some power. Will we see that in this postseason? That a swing change? I'm not totally sure. But when he's good, he's incredibly entertaining and fun to watch. Who wins the series, Jordan Schusterman? I'm going to take the Braves in four. Uh, I think the Phillies will find a way to win it, but I just think this Braves team is so impressive, and I'm going to stick with them. Yeah, I picked the Braves to win the World Series, so I kind of have to do (laughs) that. But boy, oh boy, I will be in Philly for three and four, covering it for Fox Sports. I think that's going to be super fun, especially if Philly can steal one in Atlanta. That Those games are going to be great. Remember, 11-year postseason draft, yeah. right? Wow. These fans – 11 years. And the Eagles, <laughs> the Eagles don't play on next Friday or Saturday night, so some people might show up. All right, let's move on to our next matchup. Speaking of playoff droughts, the Houston <laughs> Astros have gone one year. Zero, they've gone zero years without a postseason appearance, and they will be taking on the Seattle Mariners, who went 21 – without making one of theirs. The projecting pitching matchups, game one, Verlander is confirmed. That's Justin, not Ben. Uh, He will be going up against Logan Gilbert, the Mariners' goatee youngster, the youngest man I've ever seen with a goatee. It does not look good. (laughs) No, and he knows that, but it's been working. (laughs) (laughs) You can't change it now. Game two, very likely to be Framber Valdez, a sneaky Cy Young candidate in his own right, going up against Luis Castillo, who is the best pitcher in the world in my mind right now. And then game three will be some, we don't know yet. It'll be maybe Urquidy or Christian Javier against Robbie Ray, who tossed up a stinker in Toronto. Yeah, Jordan. Probably Robbie Ray, although we can talk about that. All right. Uh, how did the Mariners get here, Jordan? How did the Mariners get here? Well, uh, they, first of all, Cal Raleigh hit a walk-off home run to end the 20-year postseason drought, and I was there. It was really cool. So that was the first thing that happened that was important. That was an important kind of step along the way. It's so cool that you were there. I was chewing <laughs> on that last night. I was like, that's freaking great. I'm it so Also, happy. like, it totally changed the tone of just watching the postseason. I mean, obviously, it was nervous watching, but it was just like, I was like, oh, like, 
It's all gravy, man. We're chilling. We're chilling. Uh, anyway, then they go to Toronto. Um, they, they, you know, they had a good chance to maybe get to home field in the wild card. They don't get it. Blue Jays get it. It's like, oh man, now they have to go to Toronto and go to Houston. Oh, this is going to be so hard. Okay. Go to Toronto. Luis Castillo's like, I got this. No problem. Dominant best. I mean, we got, we saw a lot of good pitching performances this weekend and his was probably still at the very top. Uh, sorry, Joe Musgrove, although it was close. Um, Game two. Uh-oh, we're down eight to one in the sixth inning. All right, looks like it's going to go to a game three. Oh, just kidding. Time to come back in uh, epic, chaotic fashion. Blue Jays bullpen implosion. Once Gosman is out of the game, the Mariners just tack on, tack on, tack on, and that's what they do. And they and they won the biggest postseason comeback, uh, road postseason comeback ever. And then here they are. They, they, <laughs> they win in Toronto in two, and that sets their pitching up very nicely to get uh, as they head to Houston. Their lineup going around the diamond behind the plate. It's the man with a fat ass. That's the big dumper. Cal Raleigh first base is tied to France. Second base is Adam Frazier, who is just not a great watch, but, but let me through. tell you, he, he basically won that game on his own on, on yeah. uh, not on his own, but he, he had the game winning hit in game two. Yep. JP Crawford at short third base is Eugenio Suarez, who is better than you remember him the last couple of years, but not as good as that one year in Cincinnati. Going around the outfield, you've got Jared Kelnick in left, Julio Rodriguez, the man, the myth, the legend in center, and Mitch Hanniger in right, Carlos Santana DH. Okay. So the Mariners have played the Astros many times over the last few years. Since 2019, Jordan, what is the Mariners record in Houston. Yes. So this is something as a Mariners fan, I've tracked very closely and it hasn't been quite as bad this year, but this is why Mariners fans as insane as it was to be thinking about the next round when you haven't made the postseason. like this was a talking point in July when they were just like, Oh, we might make the postseason." It was like, Oh God, I don't want to go to Houston for the DS. This is why since the start of 2019, they played 37 games in Houston. They have gone seven and 30 with a minus 132 run differential. Every time they go there, they either get absolutely smashed or lose in completely heartbreaking fashion. This has happened time and time and time again. Everybody knows it. Now, look, that 2019 team was awful. Why are we lumping them in with this team? Because they still had some, some ass beatings and some heartbreaking losses this year when the team was good. Now they have not been, they haven't played Houston since July. They did not play them at all in the last two months of the year which is interesting. Uh, but that is, that is why Houston is so terrifying. But you know what? Mariners fans don't care at this point because they're guaranteed a home postseason game, and that's what matters. But that is the energy, and that is the David Goliath uh, theme of this one, right? The Astros have been to five straight LCSs, okay? That would be six. Probably about to be six, okay? This team is a juggernaut, and no matter how much you hate them for cheating, and they did it, this is an incredible organization, and at least on the field. Let's keep it on the field. Um, and the Mariners, meanwhile, have been obviously floundering in ways and finally, finally, finally made it. And for them to go in here, yes, the Mariners have a good team. Yes, they have the pitching to pull this off. But the, just the general ask here is still so gargantuan to do 10 times more what it was to go beat Toronto. And that's what both makes it so exciting and so terrifying. Around the diamond for Houston, behind the dishes, Martin Maldonado cannot hit, but boy, can he catch. First base, Yuli Gurriel, who is not quite as good as you probably remember. He had a tough season 
at the He's dish. Second, actively bad. Actively <laughs> bad. Still a good first baseman, not a good hitter. Jose Altuve at second. Jeremy Pena, the rookie shortstop. He was very good for the beginning of the year and then kind of tailed off, but he's really stellar defensively. Good September. Really good September. Yeah. Good September. Uh, third base, Alex Bregman around the outfield. Kyle Tucker in right. Now, a staple of this team the last few years, Michael Brantley has been hurt basically the whole season. Yep. He had shoulder surgery. He will not be appearing. And so the other two outfield spots are not like a mystery, but have been rotating somewhat. Sometimes it's a Ledmus Diaz and left. Sometimes it's trade deadline acquisition, Trey Mancini, who I love, but has sucked since his trade to Houston. Go Orioles. Chaz McCormick gets him at bats in a corner sometimes. Sometimes he plays center. Sometimes Jake Myers is in center. Sometimes Mauricio Dubon is in center. It's just kind of a bizarre situation in left and center. Doesn't totally matter because of their designated hitter, Jordan Alvarez. He might, he might be like the third best or second best hitter in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. It's Binary hard to argue. Judge. Like when you look at just the overall quality of – I mean, him and Judge are – obviously, he didn't hit 60 home runs. But if you're just looking at quality of contact and it's consistent contact, and Jordan doesn't really strike out, right? So that's the one difference between him and out, and, and Judge. And, of course, Judge is better. I'm not going to get crazy, but he's right there. I mean, it, he's right there as, as one of the very, very, very small group of best hitters in the world. Something to keep an eye on, and Ken Rosenthal at The Athletic reported this recently. This Astros team stormed to a division, won 106 games – despite what seems to be a little bit of internal unease with general manager James Click and manager Dusty Baker's contracts up at the end of the year, there's been rumors that both of them could be on their way out because not everyone is happy with the communication or the processes or whatever. Hilarious to me that a team in relative potential internal disarray can just sleepwalk their way to 106 wins. Now, will that have an impact here in the postseason, no. Uh, this machine kind of runs itself. Dusty Baker just goes out there and says a bunch of funny stuff and makes sure everyone's vibing good, and then the Astros go out and kick people's ass. Like, that's probably what will happen. But, Jordan, how do the M's pull off the upset? I think it has to do a lot. Honestly, I think it's kind of simple how they pull off the upset. Mm-hmm. They go and they get smacked in game one. They come back in game two, and Luis Castillo just does it throw seven innings and take the momentum back home to Seattle. And then you just sprinkle the magic in Seattle and you don't let this, if the series gets back to Houston for a game five, like, (laughs) right. Right. Uh, Yeah. I I generally agree with that. I think um, I do like Castillo in game two more than game one. Now, obviously you can't go game one, you know, just pitch on Friday, but I feel like that as a pivot point, whether they win game one somehow or lose, like that is, is a great, is exactly who you want on the mound, either up 1-0 or down 1-0, you know? Um, and so I, I agree, right? The pitching is going to have to show up. I think that, like, the here's, here's – they beat the Blue Jays without Julio doing that much. In the first game, he got hit by a couple pitches and I think had a walk and scored a couple runs. And in the second game, he didn't do any – he hit some balls very hard, but he didn't have any hits. He was intentionally walked late in the game anyway, <laughs> just because that's who he is. But – Julio, again, has yet to really have his postseason moment yet, whatever. It's just been two games. But they can – they can look, obviously, hitters-wise, we talk about the comparison with them and the Astros in terms of getting hits. They're not there. They can hit a timely homer as well as anybody else, especially in Houston, right? That is a ballpark 
where a lot of guys on this roster can sneak a homer over the left field fence. Oppo, whether it's Oppo, whether it's Suarez just popping one up to left field and it going over the fence, this team can do that, right? And so that is where there it's going to have to it's going to have to show up. But the bullpen is going to have to show up. Obviously, Seawall's going to have to pitch pitch much better as well. Uh, but look, man, there's no there's no version of this that isn't going to be extremely challenging. So who's the one player you're you're watching most closely, or was there something else you were going to say? No, Framber Valdez is the guy for me. If if the way Seattle steals a game in Houston is Castillo dominating, that's kind of glossing over Framber Valdez. Who, <laughs> and you know, you know, Framber's my favorite Astro. I mean, he has been since since his debut uh, in in nineteen. Like, I I love this dude so much. And you know, again, great. He's he's the unproblematic Astro, right? That's it's really that simple. Yeah. This dude is is a joy to watch. Um, Two hundred and one innings this season. Mm-hmm. The leader in frames in the American League, a two eight two ERA. Leader in from 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 the leader in from. Um, now he he maybe doesn't strike out guys at the same rate as some of the other frontline guys. He still has almost a K an inning, but for him, it's all about the uh, the GBs, the ground balls, the Great Britons. That's how he, has, he gets his outs. Uh, Fromber last year, Fromber this year, the two highest ground ball rates of any pitcher in the last 20 seasons. Uh, minimum. I threw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground over and over and over. All right. My, my guy, dad is not a phone dad. My guy to watch in this series, obviously, I, I'm the Mariners fan, so I'm not going to mention them. It's Alebis Diaz. Now, huh. Jake, there are players, when we are fans of teams, especially in division, there's always guys where you say, that guy just kicks our ass. They, this guy's incredible. And I would say 80% of the time, it's just anecdotal. And you pull up the splits and it's like, sorry, we're ju- our brains are diseased with being stupid fans. And we're just salty that one of their not best players just had a big hit, right? It's really that simple, right? That's, that's normally what it is. However, in the case of Aledmus Diaz, the numbers do not lie here, okay? In his career against the Mariners... Alemis Diaz, 147 plate appearances, which is the, the second most in his career, is hitting 349, 429, 682. This man is sl- – look at his, reg- his regular season line this year just in general. Like, he's a, he's a solid player, but he's an OPS plus of like 95 or something. He's been fine. Against the Mariners, an 11-11 OPS <laughs> in his career, 700 slug. This year in particular, he has a 1255 OPS against the Mariners. Horrifying. He's horrifying. I, I don't know what it is about it. I don't know why he is he is this good against them. Uh, but when you compare it to the rest of his career, it is truly stark and and wild. And and I he is, I mean, obviously I'm more scared of Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve, but truly when he comes up to the plate in a big spot, I will be shivering uh, under the blankets. We will be right back here on Baseball Barbacast after a quick break with more facts and figures about David and Goliath which the more I read into it, Jordan, the flimsier this story becomes. There's no way this tiny dude took down this big hey, guy. I hey, don't believe it. Hey, quickly, picks, Astros. Oh, Mariners. sorry, picks. Uh, Astros in uh, three. I'll say Astros in five. Okay. And boy, is it going to hurt my brain and my soul. Looking forward to it. All right, we'll be right back. You know what? Sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> Astros in four. Astros in three is not cool. That's not a nice <laughs> okay. thing. Astros in four. 
All right, as we before, I'll say as we in five. Uh, we'll be right back on Baseball Barbercast. Hey, this is Jimmy Smith. SiriusXM is your source for the best original podcasts in all of sports. Hear me right now on your podcast feed with MMA on SiriusXM. Everything you need in the world of combat sports, that's MMA on SiriusXM. We're back here on Baseball Barbercast. A joyful podcast for you to listen to. If you like baseball, if you hate baseball, why are you here? We've already done like a half hour. I don't understand what you're doing. Time to talk about the New York Yankees. A team Uh-oh. that people must like. Must we? Must we? <laughs> we must, Jordan. For them, for with the Yankees come the clicks. They will be taking on the Cleveland Guardians Tuesday evening in the Bronx. I will be there covering the game. It will be cold, I'm sure. It will be noisy, I'm sure, as it always is in the Bronx. And storming in to try and take them down will be the Guardians, who knocked off the Tampa Bay Sunrays, because that's what they are now, two games at home, including a 15-inning Kipchoge-style marathon that they won 1-0 to after just a grueling slog of a baseball match. Jordan... I, I have a feeling, introduce the series to me. I, I have a feeling the the old uh, guardians are going to need more than thirteen hits and three runs <laughs> in this in this series uh, against the New York Yankees. Um, because I would say I believe Aaron Judge on his own is probably going to produce more than three runs over the course of this game. I think in terms of like lazy narrative, this is the biggest David and Goliath matchup mm-hmm. of. this round however i think in terms of actual talent i think it's the closest i think it's the one most likely to go five Mm. of all four series and we're going to get to why we think again the yankees have obviously become a lot more depleted than we than we expected i think that's that's maybe still a crazy take but i see what you're getting at let's just set up the obvious narrative you're going to see this a million times this is going to be within two innings they will be flashing this graphic so let's just get this over with cleveland payroll 69 million dollars nice not nice that's actually 27th in the league why are you paying your players so little uh we don't like that um, the New York Yankees, uh, where are they in payroll? Uh, they're actually third, which is kind of funny, um, but $249 million. And so they're just going to show that 100 times uh, over the course of the series. But again, forget the paychecks, forget the salaries, forget the AAVs. Let's talk about the goddamn baseball players because Whoa. you don't play these games on paper, you gotta play them between the lines, Jake. You don't Mint. play them at the bank, all right? It's not about the cash you spend. It's about the blood, sweat, and tears you leave out there with your brothers, Jordan. Do you hear me? Uh, Jake Mintz, the Cleveland Guardians. I'll give you. I'll give you. Let's go around the horn here about the players on this baseball squad. Behind the dish, it's Austin Hedges and a lot of Luke Maley. You will see Luke Maley play much. in this series, uh, Austin Hedges. We've seen a lot of shirtless Austin Hedges the last couple of weeks, uh, but he seems like a grand old time. First base, Josh Naylor. If he has a moment, that is going to be something. Second base, uh, Andres Jimenez. I bat sixth, but my WRC plus is over 140. Uh, at shortstop, it is Ahmed Rosario. At third base, it is one of the best baseball players on earth, Jose Ramirez. I love him very much. In right field, 
is the man that sent him here, Oscar Gonzalez and his SpongeBob SquarePants walk-up song, which he will not be I can hear you. <laughs> which uh, I don't think we'll be hearing that in Yankee Stadium, although what a scene that would be. In center field, it is Mr. I Have No Home Runs, the champion of Why Haven't You Homered Yet, Miles Straw. Plays a good center field, though. In left field, uh, third place rookie of the year, guarantee Stephen Kwan. Maybe second. We'll find out. That is the line. Oh, DH. DH is someone named Will Brennan. If you haven't heard of him, that's okay. We'll get to him in a second. That is the Cleveland Guardians. Of course, as we mentioned, they got here by uh, a pitching masterclass and uh, raise offensive ineptitude uh, in epic fashion. Uh, but they did it, and they're here, and now they go to New York. Pitching matchups. Game one on Tuesday night is Garrett Cole, the richest pitcher in the world. Uh, yeah. Maybe Max Scherzer is better with his investments, but he'll be going up against Cal Quantrill. Sure. Game two is almost certainly Nestor Cortez against Shane Bieber. That one will be super fun to watch from a pitching perspective. Game three likely to be Luis Severino against the Beanpole King, Tristan McKenzie, who I don't know if you saw this, you know, all these NFL teams now, Jordan, have like, introduction someone bangs a drum or a mallet or a guitar thing cleveland the browns have this and tristan mckenzie before their home game on sunday went before the game with austin hedges i think (laughs) and they were like the honorees at the browns game which is super cool for tristan who's one of our favorite dudes in baseball for him to go from tantalizingly good to firing up the browns game yeah, no, he's dude. Tristan is has been amazing to watch. Um, excited to watch him, but uh, yeah, I mean the, those those matchups and and the Yankees rotation is certainly something uh, to discuss. Yankees pitching as a whole, but look, Quantrill in the Yankee Stadium, I don't feel great about that. He's been sensational at home, solid on the road. ERA under three the last two months, though. Do not sleep on him as a three. I mean, obviously it's a drop off from Bieber and McKenzie, but there are way worse options you could be throwing out there. Uh, in this first game, even if it would be much better if he was throwing at home. So I don't want to overlook uh, Quantrill too much, but obviously Garrett Cole has the edge there. So let's talk about the Yankees, who I know you've been around a lot. You probably went to, I don't know, 30 games this year, maybe some something about. You saw plenty of this team, of course, there, not too far from your apartment up in Harlem. So, uh, yeah, who's on, who's on the Yankees? I would say that this lineup orientation is very much in flux. compared to a lot of teams. And that has to do with some guys being really good at the end of the year, some players being really bad at the end of the year, and Matt Carpenter, which is hilarious. So behind the dish, it's mostly Jose Trevino, although Higashioka will catch uh, at least one or two of these games this series. Anthony Rizzo at first base, Glaber Torres at second base, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa at short. I don't think those will change too much. As much as, Torres, as much as Yankees fans are, are crying for Peraza to already start over IKF, I would be very surprised if that happens, at least correct. to start. Josh Donaldson at third, he was not good for large stretches of the season. He is, just a reminder, I would say the most disliked player in baseball internally. He is like on that list, just so you can really root hard against him. <laughs> in he, case you needed a reason to root against the Yankees, here's another here's, one. There you go. I would say LeMahieu could see some time at third as well. There's a chance Oswaldo Cabrera sees some time at third base. That's a spot that could definitely move around a bit. Outfield, what can you count on? Very little. 
Harrison Bader probably going to spend his time in center field. Uh, this guy, uh, Aharon Yuj, will be in right. Left will be some Oswaldo Cabrera. You might see maybe Giancarlo Stanton spend some time Hicks? out there. Marwin? No, Hicks. You see, this is a great example. <laughs> no You've not been Hicks. around the Yankees. Hicks is cooked. That man is cooked. Oh, I know. Right? I know. I know he is. I just keep tuning in, and there he is playing. So I just yep. am reacting to what I've been seeing. Now, Stanton hasn't played too much outfield as of late, but if they want to get Carpenter Carpenter into the lineup, he got hurt, and I think he is supposed to be back on the roster. They have to DH him because he certainly can't play third base, and Rizzo's going to be at first base. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. The outfield of Stanton, Bader, Judge is hilarious just from a (laughs) visual perspective. Um, but that's yeah. the Yankees, just very odd and bizarre, and you've probably heard about them, whether you want to or not, because that's how this world kind of works. Now, the big – yes, Jordan? Your, well, your Andrew Benintendi is the other name to mention, right? Who yeah. uh, It doesn't seem like he's going to be back for this round, but that's the other hole in left. That That's kind of what we're talking about is he – he had obviously that's why they acquired him. He was supposed to be the left fielder and he's, he's not there. So even though Bader's back from his injury, left field is, is still a bit of a mystery. Right now hole in this team is the bullpen. Let's get into it right now. Here's the injured list of Yankees relievers. Zach Britton came back from Tommy John had one outing. I think he faced two batters, shoulder fatigue done for the year. Chad green, Tommy John in May, Michael King, I believe also Tommy John in July. Ron Marinaccio was really, really good this year. He had a stress reaction in his shin when he was covering in a role this Chapman poopy outing. He's out for this series, might come back next series. Wandy Peralta, Wandy Peralta currently on the IL. He might be available. He has something called thoracic spine tightness. That's never good. Uh, those are five big names not available in the bullpen and a Six big name not available in the bullpen is Awaldus Chapman, the flamethrowing hurler himself. You probably know this by now. Did not show up to a mandatory workout before the ALDS, and he will not be on the roster. He is in Miami. It is a no-show situation. If you want a full rundown of that situation, check out Lindsay Adler's article at The Athletic. It kind of explains how, over the course of the year, Chapman was just fading out of the picture over time once he lost a closer role. Last guy to really talk about here, I would say, is Clay Holmes, who was dynamite for the first half of the season. Was made the all-star team. Amazing. Got, I mean, he was one of the three best relievers in the league for the first three months. Got tired, had some injuries, has been way worse in the second half. I think he is an ERA around 4-8 in the second half. His he hasn't pitched since like the end of like the middle of September. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking that. I mean, he, he's been hurt, but it seems like he thinks he will be on the roster. Uh, September 26th right. was his last outing, but he did have uh, not a good, not a good September. So um, just to review, here's who's on the IL, or here's who's either unavailable or there are concerns about. Holmes, Chapman, Britton, Green, King, Marinaccio, Peralta. That's a great bullpen. And in and of itself, <laughs> it's and what does that leave? That leaves Lou Trevino, 
Jonathan Lewandowski. He's, he's just Trevino, right? This is an important Sorry. distinction <laughs> because we Thank have you. we have Trevino and Trevino, which is very confusing. But yes, neither of whom have an Enya to make it even <laughs> right, which is also confusing. Yes, Lou Trevino, Jonathan Lewandowski, Scott Efros will be, and Lucas Lukey, I guess, are the four guys. Now they all have decent numbers, especially in the second half. Trevino has been pretty good since coming to New York. Jordan, are you worried about this bullpen? Uh, yeah, big time. And honestly, the, looking at it more closely, and especially with the Wandy injury, although it seems, I, I, again, I don't know how serious that one is, you know, part of the Chapman discourse and part of the, what people are thinking is like, well, he was pissed because he sort of saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to make it. I mean, <laughs> would you really have not put him on this, Ross? I, I, look, I know how bad, I know how from not good he has been to watch the walks like I, I get it right so I'm saying you could still make an argument he should not be on here I, I I get that at the same time I'm looking at this and I still feel like even a mildly competent version of Chapman is valuable to this version of the bullpen um and you know and in the fact that the you know the starting rotation is is not as deep as they had hoped right and that that's really to me the key here and if the Guardians and their not so uh sexy high-powered offense are going to pull this off it's that if they can get to the starters, if the starters do not show up against what should be a, a an opponent that they should be able to keep in check, keep in the ballpark, you know, we know they're they're you know, whatever bottom five in home runs. Like they should be able these this these starters, Cole Cortez, Severino, should be able to hold them down. But if they don't, I mean, it it's going to start to get, and especially how annoying it is to face Cleveland with the foul balls, with the contact rate. You can see them kind of slowly, slowly, slowly getting to this Yankees pitching staff over the course of this series because Frankie Montas is a big trade acquisition. I mean, is he even going to be on the roster? I know he's been hurt too. doesn't seem like he's in line for one of the first three starts. That's for sure. Uh, and then Tyon and Herman have been big toss-ups in terms of what you can expect. So sure. They have the luxury of going back to Cole later in the series, if it gets to that point, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I it's, it's definitely dicey. So that's how the Guardians pull off the upset. The other thing that does help Cleveland, right, is there is an, a bizarre off day between games two or games one and two on Wednesday where Cleveland can just replenish their bullpen. Now, for them to win the series, they're going to need that bullpen to be good, and they've been good all year. So they can throw out their best guys on Tuesday, give them that day off on Wednesday when they're not playing, and then bring them back for game two in New York on Thursday. Then the rest all the more important when they just worked very hard in those two games. They used every single reliever on the roster in game two. Uh, you know, Classe threw a lot of pitches in those two games. So obviously they have some time off before Tuesday, you know, having Sunday, Monday off, but that extra off day too, especially if they can somehow not use Classe, like that is only going to help them more. I totally agree. Two final points to make. Number one, the Yankees still won 99 games. They still have Aaron Judge. They still have Garrett Cole. They still have Nestor Cortez. That's hilarious. He's the third guy. So. <laughs> He's earned it. They're a juggernaut for a reason. They were on a hundred and whatever win pace for a reason. There are real flaws and issues with this team and this roster, but they're still a World Series contender. And I know we just spent five minutes being like, ah, but the Yankees are the favorite for a reason. They should be considered that. This is the better team. The Yankees are a better baseball team than the Guardians. They won way more games than them. I think a nine, eight. Eight more games than them during the regular season in the American League East, where the Guardians got to play all those bad central teams. Yankees fans should still feel good going into this series. How do the Guardians pull off the upset? 
The pitchers throw really well. They eke a couple of runs across. The Yankees bullpen gives up a game. McKenzie and Bieber are great. And Stephen Kwan hits five home runs. That's the other point. <laughs> so don't, you don't count on that. Although, uh, if he is going to hit one out, it will probably happen in New York and not Cleveland. <laughs> the last time the Guardians came to New York was the trash on the field game. Where yes, I just remembered that. How long ago? Wasn't that one? That was like the Omaha? second or third week of the season. It was oh, only like early. April. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you probably remember Miles Straw, like climbed the fence to like yell at a fan. And then the Yankees walked it off and everyone was throwing trash at Stephen Kwan. I heard there might've been a little richism going on. Some things that weren't very nice being hurled at Stephen Kwan. What a surprise uh, in the outfield fan situation there. And that's maybe what threw Straw over the edge. These teams do not like each other. That is very clear. I would say that Cleveland does not like New York. Maybe a little bit. I don't know if New York thinks about Cleveland in the same way. Yeah, I am no, very but it's a good point. I, I forgot about that. That was April, uh, April 25th, I believe. So I have this image in my head, and it will really stick in it if the Guardians could pull this off, of after that whole shit show happened, them walking back to the dugout, like in a line from the outfield. And they had lost, and it was like, Okay, but this team has something here. There's some chemistry here. There are a bunch of young guys who play together and play for each other. Now, that might not matter if they don't score a run, but this team has some spunk. It has an edge, and I think they have what it takes to go into Yankee Stadium and still one of those games. Jordan picks. Uh, I am going to go. Did we both pick Cleveland for our Fox picks? I think I think you did. Um, I'm going to go Yankees uh, in five here, and it, it's – <laughs> I just think if they can get it back to Cole, I feel pretty good about it. But I, yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the most shocking upset in the world. Cleveland of four. Thanks for damn. playing. Damn, damn. All right, great. Uh, let's move on to our final series. Oh boy, this is a fun one. You know, whenever when this happened, is you know, as we were all watching the Mets kind of collapse, or as this as the Mets Padres series was unfolding, it was like. Think about how much energy we all spent talking about Padres, Dodgers, Padres, Dodgers, Padres, Dodgers, Padres, Dodgers, three years ago, two years ago, whatever. And then we got this weird Dodgers Giants season last year, right? That kind of threw that off and the Padres were a mess. And then this year, the Dodgers were so far ahead of everyone that it, you couldn't really feel it full, full heartedly. Like, like the national, like obviously Padres and Dodgers fans feel this all the time, but you know, for the net, like the national, like that was one of the biggest stories. It was like, oh, is this the next great rivalry in baseball? It was Padres and Dodgers. And then Fernando Tatis fell off a motorcycle. <laughs> and then he got a rash. Um, so that's part of why this doesn't feel quite as big. At the same time, I am so excited for this series. And there's still so many dynamics here that are very, very fun because the Padres are have been desperate to take on the Dodgers and to get to do it here in this, in the shorter series in five games, obviously we know what happened in 2020 is a really big opportunity. And if their pitching shows up the same way, then maybe they have a chance, but Jake, tell me about uh, your dads. My dads, my dad's a good guy, but the San Diego dads might be even better than my dad behind the plate. They have Austin Nola who had a huge hit in game three. First base is, uh, a mix, a bizarre mixture of two non-first basemen and Will Myers and Brandon Drury. 
Josh Bell has been mostly DHing. Second base is Jake Cronenworth. Shortstop is Fernando Tatis Hassan Kim. At third base, I just want to remind people that that's a thing. We have not talked enough about it. Third base is Manny Machado, who is leading this team. Around the outfield is Jerickson Profar in left. Trent Grisham, the wild card round MVP in center. We talk about him a little bit. And right field is Juan Soto, who has been slightly underwhelming for Padres fans since arriving, but maybe that's not fair. Okay, projected pitching matchups. This is a weird one, both because the Padres went three games. I think it's Clevenger. Or no, sorry, it's Manaya. It'll be Benaya, I think, in game one against the Dodgers, going up against Clayton Kershaw? <laughs> well, here's the other thing. So Clevenger <laughs> was, like, sick, had COVID or something, and they were like, oh, Clevenger, like, oh, God, they're not going to get on the roster. I was like, do you want him on the roster? Like, Clevenger has been objectively not good uh, for most of the season. I'm not sure how desperate we are to get him a postseason start. So, yeah, I would assume – it'll be Manaya in that first game. And I know Manaya, it's not like his ERA is that much better, but I feel like higher, like the, the best version of Manaya this season has been better than the best version of Clevenger. Maybe, maybe that's a bad take. Maybe Padres fans can correct me on that one, but either way, I assume it'll be one of those uh, in the first two games. And yeah, I mean, for the Dodgers, again, the team that won 111 games, I, I, I think it'll be Kershaw, right? Is that, is that, is that a safe assumption? That would be my guess. Um, yeah. Now, Big storyline for the Dodgers. Could be Urias. Are... If, it's, if it's not Kershaw, I assume it'll be Urias. Yes, that is true. Um, so, yeah, that'll be freaking weird. I wonder if <laughs> there's, so, there's pitchers. Oh, here we go. Yeah, the Dodgers have not announced it. It will come down to Urias and Kershaw. Whichever one doesn't start game one will almost certainly start game two. Now is also a good time to go through the Dodgers' obscene lineup. Will Smith behind the plate, Freddie Freeman at first base, second base, Gavin Lux, shortstop, Trey Turner, third base, Max Muncie or Justin Turner, uh, or Muncie DHing sometimes around the outfield, uh, Mookie Betts, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger. Also expect Trace Thompson to get some at-bats. Expect Joey Gallo to get some at-bats. Hanser Alberto to get some at-bats maybe at second base. It really doesn't matter. They're all going to hit. I just want to say something once so people really understand it. The Dodgers finished 22 games ahead of the Padres. The gap between the Dodgers and the Padres was larger than the Padres and the Rockies. Okay? Say that one more time. The gap between the Dodgers and the Padres was bigger than the Padres and the Rockies. That is what the Padres are going up against. Can they pull off the magic in a five-game set? Yes. But the Dodgers, this team a team that in some spots underperformed but did so on the way to 111 wins, they are going to be incredibly tough to beat. Now, when we say underperformed, Jordan, <clears throat> what are we referring to? We're referring to Max Muncy being a pretty bad hitter for the first half of the year. We're talking about Chris Taylor significantly underperforming all season. Cody Bellinger is just bad now and has been for about two seasons after he won the MVP. We're talking about, this is maybe not underperforming, but Walker Bueller missed the second half of the season. Craig Kimbrell, their closer, was just bad and isn't closing anymore. There were a lot of things that went wrong with the 2022 Dodgers, and it didn't freaking matter. Plus, 
334 run differential, which if you care about Pythagorean records, says that they actually should have won 116 games. And I mean, it is it is it is crazy. Now, again, it, it, whatever. Freeman, Freeman Turner, uh, Mookie is just so overwhelmingly good. And such it's not just that like like that kind of star power just doesn't turn off because they're all such good hitters that like <laughs> they are all such a pain in the ass to pitch to. And this is the other thing that I think makes the Dodgers so impossible to deal with on top of just like, when you look at the raw numbers, it's like, oh, well, Muncy's OPS plus is 96. Pitching to Max Muncy is such a chore. Pitching to Will Smith, these guys do not chase ever. These like That's the thing. When you have to deal with those guys on top of the dudes who are also all hitting 300, that's why it is it is an it's, it's that's why this is one of the best offenses we've ever seen and even though we've gotten so used to it uh we should not we should not act like it is not but it is which is one of the best offenses we've ever seen all right well yeah i don't God, <laughs> how they do this so good how do the Padres do this? so we just saw a, a great version of the padres right we saw some Manny machado moments we saw trent grisham showing up we saw joe musgrove incredible darvish incredible right it's not that they can't do it, right? It's not, it's not, I'm actually curious. Well, I'm, I'm curious what the, what the season series split was. I'm going to check that. But what, what does this look like? What is this, what, what is, what does the Padres upset look like here? I cannot, en- I cannot envision Sean Mania winning game one. Can I just, this is, this is a good way to put it. The Dodgers in division this year, okay? They went 15 and four against the Giants. Remember last season? That was last season, okay? When it was, they had the render, they had like the same number of runs and the same number of wins, whatever. They went 15 and four against the Giants this year. They went 11 and eight against the Rockies. That was their worst record in division. 14 and five against the D backs and 14 and five against the Padres. But 14 and five against the Padres, right? And so it's just like, what, I mean, what, what do you, why am I supposed to expect that's, that's suddenly going to change? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. What does it look like? It looks like Blake Snell figuring his stuff out. It looks like it's basically Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove are all the best versions of themselves. Right. And the Dodgers starting pitching turns out it was built on a bed of lies all along between Kershaw and one of Kershaw and Urias has a bad outing. And then Tyler Anderson and Gonsolin just were fake news all along. Now, again, Juan Soto and Manny Machado just take over the series, right? The Padres have the star power to do this. The issue is, again, Anderson, Urias, Gonsolin, Kershaw, all of their ERAs are under 2-6, right? And so I think someone said that the Dodgers, I think, broke the record for the fewest runs allowed in an 162-game season as well. And we don't really talk about their pitching like that, but they are all not allowing runs. I just, maybe it happens. Maybe the Padres can make magic. This is the biggest David and Goliath one, just because of how Goliath the Dodgers are. Yeah, I have much more to do with them. And and I mean, yeah, it's weird. Like, like you just said, like they set all kinds of pitching records. And yet I feel like I'm looking at the names and I'm not as scared as I have been in the past with the Dodgers. And that's probably just a stupid thing to say. And yeah. so, sorry, I just said it on a podcast to a bunch of people listening. But like, and again, like that's when, if they sweep the series, I'll be like, well, yeah, they, they, they well, yeah, duh. <laughs> so I don't know, man, the Dodgers are so weird. And honestly, like, like, I think you, you said, it's like, we really haven't watched that much of them. We really haven't because 
it's been they've won they won the division two months ago and it's just like it's hard to really feel that compelled to watch when like yeah they have fun players to watch of course um but i don't know it's just like when you when you know you're going to be watching them in october a lot it's hard to feel like oh i better tune in <laughs> yeah yeah i totally so it's kind agree. of that simple all right jordan picks yeah guy yeah. you're watching oh guy watching Ooh man that's a that's, mm. You know what? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Gavin Lux. I'm gonna go with Gavin Lux. Uh, Gavin Lux, who has again, when you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, he's fine, right? But him being a, a, a slightly above average hitter is is no. Is he, is he a top five? Is he what he looked like he could have been? Was he a top five prospect? Maybe not, right? But if you're talking about a guy that well, again, he's going to be hitting what eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth, you know, that's a pretty damn good player, especially when you compare it to some of the guys they have at the bottom. Of the lineup, and if I go an extra, I I love Hassan Kim, and it has been very he, amazing defender. And if he has any sort of offensive moment, which I'm not exactly counting on, he is he's very fun. And his play has, I mean, he's kept, look, it's obviously he's no one going to be Tati's Junior, but like there are other teams that could have been in way worse positions than the Padres have been with Hassan Kim at shortstop, especially considering how good he is at defense. I am watching Manny Machado. He got the bag from San Diego. He has grown up a little bit over the course of the last decade since he threw a bat at the Oakland A's. And this is the moment. Tatis isn't there. It's Manny's freaking team. And for them to beat the Dodgers, he needs to not just be good. He needs to be God level. And I think he's capable of that if he doesn't swing and miss at too many sliders down and away. I hope he can do it. I think it would be super entertaining because you know the Dodgers fans hate him, right? <laughs> they boo him whenever he's there. That's kind of what I'm looking for and what I'm watching. Here's my yeah. pick for the series. Ready? Mm-hmm. This is going to be a rerun of Astros White Sox from last year, mm-hmm. where the Dodgers just outplay the Padres both games in, like, in L.A. The series goes back to San Diego for the first home game in San Diego in the postseason since 2006. Crowds in it. They just knock around Gonsolin or Keeney or who Tyler Anderson or whatever, and they win that game three. Game four, the Dodgers are like, okay, that was cute. Thanks. <laughs> uh, that actually reminds me the one other point to make about the series. Um, also, just Juan Soto back in Dodger Stadium. I'm very excited about just like Soto in general because it's 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 there. I mean, I look, he has been relatively disappointing. It's it could happen, uh, but remember, every game that the Padres play, the Tatis uh, suspension gets shorter. So you know, even if they can ex- extend it an extra game, uh, they will get him back. I think now uh, they have him back like April 28th or something. Um, so that's, 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 you're not, you're also just playing that, playing that, even, even if you're not. No one that. in the Padres clubhouse is thinking about that. <laughs> I know, but I can tell you that Padres, I've seen Padres media uh, mentioning that many times, but anyway, it's true. They're not playing for Fernando, but um, all right. Let me tell you this. They're certainly not playing for Fernando. Yeah. That's that, that is our review. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. There is no uh, doubt about that. That is uh, our review. You're saying, you're saying the... Dodgers in, in four. Sorry. What were we saying? You're Sorry. We're talking over each other. Go ahead. Dodgers in four is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I'll say Dodgers in three because I'm disrespectful like that. I'm rooting for the Padres. I would love to see them make this happen. Uh, And also like, you know, it would make the Mets feel a lot better if the Dodgers crumble in this way. (laughs) Um, Totally. Uh, I think we did it. I think we previewed the LDS. I think we did that. 
Cool. Uh, we did that. No emails this week, uh, but again, you can email us at baseballbarbcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. Uh, leave us a rating, review. Let us know uh, how we're doing. How we're, are we doing okay? Just come on, let, let us know. We've, we've really appreciated the support. That's been very cool so far, and we're excited to just be podcasting all the time. It's October. How can we get better? Let us know. We got an email from someone who told Jordan he needs to speak more clearly at the end of sentences. Jordan took that advice to heart. Turns out the person who sent that email in, I now realize, is a relative of mine, which I did not know when I mentioned it to Jordan originally. Uh, that Thank is all you this week. for the feedback. Yeah, we like feedback. Do I suck? Neg me. I'm in. Uh, enjoy the baseball, friends. Programming note, we will be back as warranted throughout the rest of this round. Whenever a series is over, we might hop on for 15 or 20 minutes just to recap it, depending on how long it goes. If there's an absurd game or the Padres go up two to zero in LA, like we'll hop back on and give you what you need. What you need! That's it. I'm Jake Mitz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, anything else you got to say to the people? Goodbye. Talk to you soon. Serious XM Podcasts.